0: Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. And thank you, thank you worship team. Just a beautiful time in the Lord this morning. And uh, so grateful, so grateful for the opportunity we have to gather together and to worship the Lord together. Um, just, a, just a beautiful time. Let, let me, uh, if you want to, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to say a couple things first before we get started this morning on the message. I'm looking for my bulletin somewhere, it's in here. My, pur- my, my purse. My Bible's turned into a purse, it seems like. I stuffed stuff in here, I got stuff stuck in here from years ago. If I turn it upside down, things just fall out of it anyway. Anyway, all right. I hope you got your bulletin. You're, we're going to be in Matthew chapter two. It's going to be the King is born. We're going to get there uh, and share. But I want to take just a moment, bring your attention to the to the bulletin. Just for I got a couple things I need your help with. Um, I, I will start here, I guess, officially January the first, full time as the pastor. I've been working out a notice with Glenwood for a while. It seems like almost a couple months. But I mean, I'm excited about that. And one of the things that I really want to do, and I mean this sincerely, is to come visit you, all of you. And, uh, and I don't know what that means to you. I don't know if that kind of puts a joy in your heart or am I like, a, thank you, Miss June, for smiling. Thank you for smiling. Some of y'all might think, oh, my gosh, what's the pastor wants to come up in my house? I don't know. I mean, I really do. I want to come see you. I really do. Every one of you, I want to come. Now, look, I'm not talking about sitting down, kill the fatty calf, and we spend four hours. That, we don't have to do that. But I do want to come and spend some time. And, and, and so how can you help me? Because, I mean, for me to track all of you down and all that, that's going to be a little more difficult. And on the bottom of your bulletin, it says sign up for, for a visit from the pastor. And I'm, like, I'm kind of laughing here. Um, and I, I hope you want me to come to your house. I hope so. We'll work through that as well, if not. But, um, uh, and listen, listen. Uh, so anyway, help me. I, I'm digressing. digress. i got to hang in here. We won't get done. Uh, there's a little QR code. At the bottom of that, now for some of you, like you've been in this world a long time, so you understand what a QR code is, and you understand how to use it, uh, and how to sign up. It's just a form that you are, actually it's going to take you to what's called Sign Up Genius. I don't know if any of y'all have ever used that before in your life, um, but if you hover your little phone over top of that QR code when you're on photo, take a picture, it'll, it should pick it up and take you straight. You just click on it and take it to the website. If you need help during life groups, get, some, get somebody to help you. I mean, it's okay. I really want most of us to go. There's a sign-up genius online, and you're going to pick a slot. It's Now, look, I don't have time all the time, every day. I don't have that. I have several days all the way through 1st of February for you to sign up for, and it's just come by. It's at your house, summer, during the weekday, morning time, sometimes late afternoon, some evenings. But you sign up for what's good for you. Please sign up. Do that. You can change it if something comes up. That's the beauty of that sign-up genius. Uh, but, but just help me with that. And... Uh, and, and, and I'm going to come, sometimes Paula might can come, I might even rope Karen into coming. If you do it real quick, I, mean, I can bring the whole crew to your house, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. I'm playing. Um, but there's a lot of times it's going to be me and maybe one of our guys here that's going to go with me visiting or something like that, and we, I just want to come to your house. I want to meet with you, just sit down, hear your story, just have an opportunity just to just to, you know get to know each other a little bit. Does that make sense? So help me out by signing up. And I and I get it. Hopefully all of you sign them up and we'll move on into February, March. My hope is hopefully by April, May get it all done, be in every home uh, come by and sit with you and visit with you. Now the other thing is in here, it's a survey. Now I know, I know you're going, what do you mean? It, it's the same deal. If you want to click on it and I think Gavin and them actually put it on the website if you go to Flinthill.net it made it real easy for you to sign up, do that survey. I, and I want to hear from you as this as well, as your pastor moving into 2023. Just want to hear some things from you. I mean, and this is very subjective. So, I mean, just put the information down. Now, I know you're going to say, I have to answer everyone. Yes, everyone, I made it a little, you have to answer everyone. So if you, if you get to one, you go, I don't know, just write down, I don't know. I mean, that's fine. And just keep moving along. Uh, some of it's real simple. You're just going to go boom, 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 and answer it and do it. Uh, some of y'all probably have already done it while I'm sitting here, right? Uh, anyway. Um but but I want to hear from you. And it's real important for me to hear from you and uh, and I know uh I, at least I've heard here in the past some weeks and uh that I've been meeting with some of the leadership here that even with like the service times or time we have worship time, we have Bible study, life group and all that. So there's even a question on there for that for that survey. I want to hear from you, okay? So if you will take time to do those two things, that would help me. Uh if you have any questions, you can get with me after uh worship uh today. And I know there may be someone in here that says, I I can't do it digitally. I get it. I've got it. I got the survey printed out. You can do the old paper thing right there. Uh, Just see me and I'll get you one of those as well. Okay. Matthew chapter 2. The the title of the sermon today. We have been in this Advent series for several weeks now. And today the title is The King is Born. And I love the song we started off with in worship, uh, talking about the king Jesus, king, that has been born. The scripture is clear. We see this uh, even in the Magi when they come in Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, 1 and 2, uh, particularly in verse 2. They say, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And they've come, they saw a star, and they've come to worship him. And so it's real clear. When I share the scripture of Luke chapter 1. Let me read that again. I've read this before. When it's the pronouncement or the foretelling of Jesus' birth from the angel Gabriel, he's having a conversation with Mary, and he says, uh, "...you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end." And so real clearly, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, it's not just anybody. It's, it's, it's quite clearly the king has been born. And it's not just any king. I mean, it's, it, it is the king of kings, I mean, for sure. Uh, but make, make no mistake, Matthew and Matthew's Gospels and these birth narratives, they're making it real clear that this baby who's born in Bethlehem is not just any baby. And uh, he is the prophesied king of who was to come, the King Messiah, that's his title, the Anointed One. He was the one that was foretold. In fact, in your in, we don't have time to look at all of these, but there's about 330 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in Christ, Jesus the Christ. There's four of them in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we're not even going to look at those. You can read those they're, they're about his birth. Now, I, I, I say this, the fact, uh, uh, the fact is this, the the scripture, the evidence is overwhelming of what? God's sovereign control of history and the and the absolute reliability of his word. The, the fact of all of these prophecies coming to fruition and fulfillment in Christ is mathematically impossible. It's actually, let's use the word miraculous, and it is. And so when we read these birth narratives, it's not just something, oh, that sounds real good, Jesus is born. There's a whole lot going on. And very clearly, very clearly. It's about, his, it's about the king who is born on this day. Now, when I say this, the king, talking about the king, uh, the scriptures overwhelmingly present God as king. He is, his kingdom is glorious, it's majestic and everlasting. We see this in the scripture. Not only that, but his kingdom ruleth over all. In other words, his kingdom is not limited geographically. I mean, it is of the whole earth and even beyond the earth. It is in heaven and on earth. Uh, mentioned 70 times in the New Testament is this word, the kingdom. The kingdom of God was the subject of Christ's resurrection ministry in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And the apostles carried that on in Acts 8, Acts 19. On and on and on. They preached about the kingdom of God has come. Jesus himself preached the kingdom of God is near. Now, here, here it is. First and foremost, we know about the king. But if there's a king, or since there's a king, there's a kingdom. Right. And so what does it mean when we talk about the kingdom of God? What actually does that mean? I don't know if you've thought about this. There are several things here. First and foremost, fundamentally, it means this. The kingdom of God means this. Simply the reign of God's domain. In other words, He it's his realm where he reigns and rules completely. We talk about the kingdom uh, being in heaven. Uh, Where there is no rebellion, there's no competition, there's no rival anymore. Heaven was empty of that a long time ago, according to the Scripture. God is worshipped there purely and simply from the angelic creation, as well as all believers who have passed away. But it's even more than that. His kingdom now extends to earth. So this kingdom of God is not just in the heavenlies, but is extended to earth. In fact, uh, the Bible says His presence inhabits the whole of His creation. Although we don't see everything subject to him right now, we get that. But Hebrews 2.8 tells us it's subject to, uh, to, to whole creation. One day we know this will change. The scripture is clear. Every knee will bow before who? King Jesus. Every tongue will confess what? King Jesus is Lord and God and King forevermore. We know this. The ultimate manifestation of God's kingdom is when, at the final uh, summation of this, we talk about eschatological, when when Jesus comes back again and begins to establish that earthly reign. But we're we're even in in, in this process now, when we think about his kingdom, we're even called to pray what, in, in Matthew's gospel, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done. So we're called in this kingdom, uh, it's now but not yet. In other words, there's very much a reality in the world in which we live today, God's kingdom here on earth. His reigning, ruling presence here on earth. His kingdom is immediate and direct. And, and, And how is it done? Because of the witness of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts and our lives being made manifest right now, right here, even so in this place called Flint Hill, right now. But it's more than us, right? God's kingdom isn't limited to a house, a building, at all. In fact, the truth is, wherever there is a child of God today on earth, his kingdom is reigning and ruling and going forth. And uh, so when we think about the kingdom of God, when we think about praying for the the kingdom of God, what are we we really praying? God, let your kingdom come. What What do we mean by that? We mean, God, here it is. God, let your presence and enabling grace, the work of your Holy Spirit, go forth in the hearts of your people. Not just inside of me. No, no. We want his kingdom to advance, and it is rapidly. I know you look around and say, oh my goodness, is it still? Yes, it's going forth with great power, bringing to fruition everything that he ever desired for it to accomplish. His kingdom is alive and vibrant. His people are uh, 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 very much a part of His kingdom, part of His purpose, and so forth, even so today. His kingdom is real, very much real here uh, in the world in which we live. Uh, so anyway, so, so when we talk about the kingdom Jesus describes as simply this in, in, in the Scriptures, um, is, is what? The Holy Spirit of God working in and through our lives today, extending His reign and rule in the world around us, Uh, the the people that we meet, the people that we're going to meet. Now, very much uh, wrapped up inside of this is the second coming of Christ. I mean, even at the beginning, I mean, we, we see at the birth of Jesus the prophecies that were told, but it doesn't end with his birth. The birth is just the beginning of his kingdom here on earth. But the fullness of that, the summation of that is in what him coming again. And you know as well as I do, I'm telling you what you already know, that the scripture is clear. When they're standing there, when Jesus ascends in on high and the angels are there, what are you, looking, what are you, what are you waiting for? He's ascending. Hey, he's going to come back in the way that he's left. Very clearly, it's clear. God's kingdom isn't, it's, it's now but not yet. We haven't seen the fulfillment of that. In fact, in one sense, we pray for that. Lord, let your kingdom come. We're a part of the process of growing his kingdom to the fulfillment when Christ will return. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Every one of us, every child of God here today is advancing his kingdom. And as his kingdom reaches its fulfillment, Christ will come again. And you say, when's it going to happen? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, most of us, if you're really honest, you would say, it's going to be soon and very soon. Well, I would agree with you. In fact, we see early on in the scriptures, I mean, early on in the scriptures, they thought it was going to happen right then. In fact, every generation since then, every generation that was close to the heart of God has always sensed His return is imminent. Why? Because that moves us, that moves us to be all that God's called us to be in this kingdom, be about His work, His business, His reigning and ruling power in my life and in going forth from us accomplishing His will. So very much so, when we talk about the kingdom of God, there's a king, so there's obviously a kingdom, and that kingdom is real, and it's now, and it's very present it's seen and unseen. It is a wonderful, beautiful mystery, but God's kingdom is real. Very much so. Now, it, uh, since there is a kingdom, then there has to be a people. You with me? Uh, now, 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 hang on just a minute. In other words, we know there's a king. We celebrate King Jesus. We're just saying that. We praise him and worship him. If he's really king, then there's a real kingdom. And if there's a real kingdom, then that means there's a real people of his kingdom even so today. Now, now let me just remind you in Matthew's gospel, when John the Baptist begins to preach, here's the message of him in, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 2. He says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at near. What's interesting is Jesus, fast forward a little bit, he gets the ministry begins, the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Christ out in the wilderness, when he comes back from that. The Bible says in chapter 4, verse 17, from that time on, the phrase in there in the context means from that time on, he kept on doing what he's about to do. What does he do? His message is this. He begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The fulfillment of that. In other words, repentance is critical to entrance in his kingdom. Let, Let me say that a different way. Without repentance, you'll never... Make it into the kingdom of God. Let me be clear about that. The kingdom to God. The only way into his kingdom is through repentance. Now, you you can say, well, J.J., I don't know about that. Well, that's fine, but take it up with the Lord himself, the king himself, because he said, repent, repent for the kingdom of his hand. Repent if you want entrance into that kingdom. Now, let's look at that word just for a moment. This is critical. Now, if you want to be a part of his kingdom, let let me me say it this way. I, I was listening to a preacher the other day. And it was talking about membership. And let me say, membership matters to the local church. It really does. Moving forward, uh, we, will, we will have a, uh, a, a way of communicating that to any guest, any visitors, any people that want to unite with this fellowship at, at Flint Hill. And what, what that looks like, if it's a class pulling us together, what does it mean to really be a member of Flint Hill? We want, we want to be able to clearly communicate that for sure. Membership really does matter. Absolutely. For, to, to, in other words... God has called me and you to gather together in the body of Christ. Now, we're just a little piece of that body. You understand that. There's a bigger body out here that we're called to unite with, to fellowship with, to grow and to work and serve together. But even in our little fellowship here at Flint Hill, it really does matter. But this preacher said, and I agree, he said, you know, it really isn't about being a member of their local church, or even, let me say it this way, even here at Flint Hill. It's about being a citizen of the kingdom. I mean, there's a big, y'all know there's a big difference. Now, look, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm Southern Baptist, probably not Southern fried Baptist, but I'm Southern Baptist. Y'all with me? I do like fried chicken. That means, you know, there's a lot there, but uh, y'all didn't get that. But anyway, it's okay. Um, um, please hear me on this. This is a big one. And, I've, and many of you have heard my testimony several times now, because I mean, I did not grow up in a local church. I didn't grow up with a witness. Uh, my mom, my mom family's gonna be here next week, and she doesn't like me to say this, but it's true. We didn't talk anything about Jesus growing up. I mean, it just didn't happen in my home. Now, look, they're great folks. They were good family, good parents. I mean, you know, um, for that purpose and all that. But we, they never talked. We never talked about Jesus. Never went to church as a family. None of that stuff ever happened in my home. So I was 20 years old before I came to faith in Christ. So for me, it is really hard for me to understand how someone could come to church on a regular basis of any, you know, where they profess Christ, you know, but not worship him as the king, not be intimate and passionate about my worship for my Lord. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. But here's here's what happens, I think, because I've seen this happen. I remember back to St. Elmo many years ago, we had a deacon uh, at the church, been a deacon, been a leader there for years and years and one night in a revival meeting, I mean, you remember back when we did those, God convicted him that he was kind of playing this game all his life. He grew up there, grew up in this. I mean, there, I mean, we're talking about generations of histories. He'd been there, been a faithful member. I mean, he tied. I mean, in every respect, you would look at him and say, man, he's a great member of St. Elmo Baptist Church. I mean, in every respect. And many people would have said he was a great Christian. But man, I'm telling you, God got hold of him that night, and he come confessing and repenting. I mean, he bowed down, listen, for the first time before Jesus and confessed. Confessed what? He repented of self-righteousness. I mean, I mean listen, I mean, he, didn't, he didn't understand it. He was just wrapped up in that. But to repent means literally to change one's orientation. Why am I here today? Because he stepped out of heaven and saved my soul. That's why we gather to worship him. And on that night, on that place, this, this person, this leader in this church went from a member of St. Elmo to a citizen in the kingdom. Big difference, big difference, eternal difference. Please hear me, church. Jesus said it this way. If you want to be a part of his kingdom, you're going to have to repent. The word in the Greek is metanoi. I mean, you don't need to know the Greek word. You need to know what it means. It means to change one's orientation, to turn around. It means I'm walking in this way, in my self-righteousness, my own belief, whatever it is, and I'm turning completely around, away from this, and turning to Christ alone. I mean that is the word. It means to change one's orientation. If you say uh, that you trust Christ and you've repented and you've confessed Christ and you know Christ personally, but there's been no change in your orientation in life, something's wrong. Now I'm not trying to meddle. I'm not trying to judge. I'm just being honest and biblical. Listen, when Dawson McAllister said it years ago, when we know Jesus, K N O W, then we K N O W change. In other words, we know the change that God has wrought in the heart of, in our lives. If you can say to me today uh, that you know Jesus, but there's no change, then something's wrong. When the King of heaven steps down out of glory and he steps into our hearts, there's a difference that's made in us. And and let me say, the Holy Spirit that occupies this heart and mind, there's a difference made. Now look, I'm not saying you're a flaming evangelist. I'm not saying you're going to pack up and go across the world to be some missionary. I'm just saying that God's making a difference in my life How do I know this? Because I'm walking with him. Now I'm going to sing that old hymn. He's walking with me. Are y'all with me, church? He's talking with me. About what? About life. Wherever I go. Whatever I do. If I'm going to work. If I'm going out here. If I'm going to say, It doesn't matter. Why? Because God is with me. He's inhabited my heart my mind. Jesus said, repent. Repent. If you want entrance into his kingdom, it's through repentance. There really is no other way. There is no other way. Please hear me on that. That deacon that night acknowledged for the first time in his life he needed to repent of what? His sin. Yeah, you say, what? Yes, we've all, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So repentance is not just critical. It is essential to enter into this kingdom. Right? And so, so the, now let me say this um, again. Please hear me. Uh, if there's, since there's a king, there's a kingdom. If there, since there's a kingdom, there's a people. Of his kingdom. Right? My invitation to you is to know the king through repentance. And that means to turn away from yourself and turn to faith in Jesus alone, Christ alone. Now let me just say to you uh, what I think Peter would say to us if he was here. He said, this, this this turning to him enables us to what? To gain an inheritance that is imperishable, it's eternal. It's undefiled and will not fade away. It's not going to dry up. It's not going to waste away. It is forever and ever. It is the forgiveness, the love, the peace, the happiness, the joy, the purity, the righteousness, eternal life, glory, and more. And all this begins with repentance. Turning away from myself, my sin, and turning to Christ alone. To the King, Jesus, that's how we enter into this kingdom. All right. so we know there's a kingdom. We know there's a people. And since there's a people then there is a purpose that we have. I think it's a great question to ask, don't you? Why am I a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Why is God my king today? What is my purpose in this life in which I live? I know it's transitory. In other words, this isn't all there is to life. There's so much more. I know we get fixed on what we see and what we live and what we do here, but, what, but I, get, I think it's a great question. What is the purpose of being a citizen in the kingdom? And that's a big Answer to a question that, that takes way more than just a handful of minutes on this morning. But I want to share several things with you, because in Matthew's gospel, I think Matthew really more than anything presents Christ as King. I mean he is King Jesus, not just of the Jews, but of all people, the Gentiles. And he invites us to know how to how to enter this kingdom. I think it's real clear. But he also, if you if you if you in, in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what we would often call what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, many people have said this is kingdom living principle. This, in other words, what does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom? They would say, turn to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's what a lot of scholars, commentators would say. Read that and you'll know what it means. Well, what does that mean? Let me just hand, uh, uh, share a couple of things this morning. What does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom? What is my purpose here on earth? I would say this, if you're making notes, number one is this, to live different. Today. what does that mean in Matthew chapter 5 the very beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount he calls it, calls it the Beatitudes, the blessed life what, what does it mean to be a blessed life it means to be poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven what does it mean to have the blessed life? It means to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled. It says, what's the blessed life like? It means to be pure of heart, for you will see God and experience Him. You, you, what, what's the blessed life like? Here it is. Blessed are you when people uh, insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil uh, things against you. Rejoice. Rejoice, the Scripture says, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven if there's anything we see in the scripture and the Word of God what does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom real simply and this is for all of us to live different there ought to be a difference in our decision-making the way we live what we do and where we go all this thing, to live different and most importantly to live with the reality that my king is with me the presence of God goes where I go do what I do doesn't matter where I am doesn't matter if I'm working serving being at home with the family I ought to live different Second thing, if you're making notes, display God's grace. So to live different, but also to display God's grace. In that same chapter, Matthew chapter 5, he makes this statement about me and you as citizens of the kingdom. He says, you are light of the world. You are the light of the world. He said, a city on a hill can't be hidden. That makes sense. Neither do people put a lamp and put a bowl over it. That would be silly, wouldn't it? You can practice that at home for your Advent devotional. Put a lamp and cover it up. It just, it just, it's, it's silly. Why do we put a lamp there? To brighten up the room. I tell my mom all the time, you need a little more light up in here. I can't see anything in your house. We need to lighten it up. He says, we're the light. We're the light. Why are we the light? He says it. I'm glad you asked the question. He said, what? In the same way, let your light shine before men, women, and boys, and girls. I don't care how old you are. Why? So they may see your good deeds and what? Give praise to your Father in heaven. What is my purpose in the kingdom? To display God's grace. To be that light. To be that light that shines brightly for the glory of God so that when people see the Christ in me, I can point them to Christ like they can see me displaying God's grace around me, right? There's a beautiful little song. I'm not going to sing it for you. You know about letting your light shine. Y'all know it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's It's no wrong with singing that. Sing it. Let the light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Let it shine. The third thing is this, and and I'm going to take a break from here. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What is my purpose in the kingdom? What is our purpose as citizens in the kingdom? Not only to live different and display God's grace, but in 2 Corinthians. Let me just share this with you. I don't know if you ever thought about this. In 2 Corinthians, I'm going to get there in just a moment. Hold on. 2 Corinthians. I should have had a bookmark with all my many things in my Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here it is. 17 through 20. Listen to the word of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Some of you are sitting here today and say, J.J., I really don't know what ministry God's given me. I don't know what he's leading me into. I can promise you this, according to the Word of God. You have a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not what counting men and women and boys and girls sins against them. He's given us that ministry. Every one of us here today that knows Christ, you've been given to that ministry. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. There it is. What is my purpose in the kingdom? To live different, display God's grace, but also to be ambassador for the king. That means I represent who he is and where he is and what he is. And who is he? He's a reconciler. He's one that doesn't count sins against men and women and boys and girls. We need to represent Christ the King well in everything that we do. So when we think about being a citizen in this kingdom, what's the purpose that God's given us? And I've talked to several of them. And you're saying, man, what's my purpose? I know God has me here for a purpose. It's real simple. Make notes. Live different. Display his glory and represent him. Be his ambassador in the world in which we live. That is our purpose. Now, how all that fleshes out comes to us individually and how how that uh, comes to be, but make no mistake, it's real simple and real clear. Live different, display God's grace, and be an ambassador for Him. The last thing is this. If there's a purpose, which I know there is, Jesus lived on purpose. He demonstrated that. If there's a purpose, then there's a mission. There's a clear mission. Matthew chapter 28. Let me just remind us of what I would, I would share with you as Christ our King marching orders. I mean, most of the time, it's, it, you know someone's last breath, last things they say, you would take dear to that if you were there at their bedside. And literally the last thing Jesus said to the disciples and all that were with, with Him on this moment, He makes this statement in Matthew twenty eight eighteen. He said, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. I, I, I am King over all. Through my life, death, and resurrection, I have sealed forever king over all. Therefore, you and me, here it is, that's the the way it's phrased, go. Now we read that and we go, what do you mean go? It it means as you go, as you live, as you walk through this thing called life, as you go, what, what are we supposed to do? Make disciples. The word there is nations. And yes, it means multiple nations, but it means people, all people, all kinds of people. I don't care where they are, who they are. They need Christ if they don't know Christ. And God has commissioned me and you to go in his name, in his authority, and make disciples. Baptizing them. That means we've led them personally to Christ, and we want to see them baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not only that, we want to teach them everything, teach them to obey everything that he's commanded us. And the good news, the good news is he is given us the assurance of His presence with us and the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit with us. He didn't. In other words, He didn't tell us to do it and just send us on our own, but He has given us everything we need to fulfill these orders. And make no mistake, these are marching orders. This, in other words, Christ our King, King Jesus, yes, has a kingdom, and yes, He has a people, and yes, He has a purpose for us, and yes, He has a mission for us to work even so still today. He's not done. He's not completed that. In fact, He's counting on us to fulfill the mission today. Think about that. I hope you I, soak that up. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God's counting on you. Turn to them right now. They need to hear that. T- turn to them. Turn to them. There you go. If you've got to reach across the aisle, tell somebody. I don't care. Tell them God's counting on you. I mean, I, you need to hear this. I don't care who you are, guests, somebody just be, Listen, God's counting on me and you to live to fulfill the mission He began here on earth. These are marching orders. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're 12 years old or way up there in age. It doesn't matter. We're all called by God to fulfill His mission here on earth. In fact, I'll say it this way. We say this, and we'll say it again today. We exist, why? To glorify God. Pure and simple. To bring glory to God. How do we do that? Yeah, we're going to gather. We're going to grow. We're going to give, them. we're going to go. How are we going to go? What are we going to do when we go? We're going to go make disciples. We're going to teach them everything that God's taught to us. We're going to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And how do we do this? We bring glory to God when we depend on Him and His holy presence in our life to do what God's called us to do. No matter where I am today, no matter where you are today, God wants me and you to finish, to fulfill, to live out His mission here on earth. We have a mission to accomplish. He's not done. Amen? So... When, you know i say all this i started with our king and there really is a king and he has a kingdom and that kingdom has a people and that people has a purpose and that purpose uh leads us to the mission that god has called us to do amen guys if you'll come this morning father i just want to praise you this morning and thank you for this day thank you for the word of god i thank you father that even in this Advent season, this Christmas season, God, that you would remind us, restore to us the joy of your salvation. God, restore to us, your people, God, a sense of purpose in this life that we live. God, that we would sincerely live different. God, that we would we would not just live different, but God, we'd display your grace and your glory. God, that we would let your light so shine through us that people would see Christ in us. God, I pray for us. I pray for every child of God here today. Lord Jesus, remind us, Holy Spirit, that You have blessed us to be ambassadors, representatives of You in the world in which we live, no matter where we go, no matter what we do. God, I thank You this morning, oh glory, that You're not done. There's a mission to be accomplished. There's orders that have been given. And God, as a, as a faithful soldier in the, in the kingdom of God, God, help us to be obedient and faithful to what you called us to do and to be. God, in this season of giving and season of gifts, God, help us to give our hearts and minds to you, Father, that we would be willing to lay ourselves down so that you would be exalted, that we would humbly take up the task at hand. And be faithful to your mission in the world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me this morning, church.